It is, it's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, suited, booted, and still burdened with glorious purpose. Welcome to episode 55, the 10 the hard way edition of our Casino Combat Podcast. I've got a lot of reality podcasting for you today, plenty of excellence of execution in all aspects of casino gambling. Let's get the basics done and get started. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary person, snap, crackle, and pop. Only gamble with money you can afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that information for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items, unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of... Brevity and clarity. All right, brevity and clarity. There we go. We have plenty to do today. If you are just finding the podcast for the first time, welcome and thank you. I am TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, and each week I talk about casinos and casino gambling. I demonstrate that with the right skills, abilities, and bankroll, you can live a part-time casino lifestyle while making a profit most months and getting enough free goodies and benefits the other months that the little bit you lose or spend isn't going to be an issue. Each week, I have several segments for you. We almost always have a travel segment because I always want to share my gambling results and observations with you, so I'm going to do a travel segment, of course, today. We will finish up, as we always do, in the virtual VIP lounge with some sips and stories. I have a fun story uh, for you today, kind of, and where everybody knows your name story. Before we do travel and visit the virtual VIP lounge, we are going to have a questions my sons ask segment and answer a question generated by the story of my biggest win ever. I'm also going to do a moment of casino wisdom segment and share with you how helpful and important a recently added casino wisdom was for me in my travels this week. So the plan is questions my sons ask, a moment of casino wisdom, the travel segment with observations and results for this past week, and then a visit to the virtual VIP lounge. Before we jump into all that, the Casino Combat Squad has really grown during the first year of the podcast, which means that there is more and more stuff going on in the big, wide Casino Combat universe each week. By the way, if you're new here, spelling combat with a K isn't a typo, if you noticed that when you picked this episode of the podcast. We spelled it with a K for purely fiduciary reasons, and as a result, we spell lots of things with a K. But... <laughs> I ramble and digress. As I said, lots of things going on in the Casino Combat universe that don't really fit into any segment, so let me catch you up on, on those things. Gabriel was involved in a minor dust-up at our local casino that he is calling Drinkgate. Please keep in mind that I'm paraphrasing and summarizing a number of conversations and text messages here. If Gabriel was telling the story, you'd hear it a bit differently, but I think I'm capturing the basic points accurately. Our local casino has had a useful quirk built into the bartender's cash registers since they opened years ago. For top-tier players, a double pour of decent liquor is $7. But if you order a martini or a Manhattan with the same double pour of the same liquor, and then they add some vermouth and or bitters or cherries or olives, the extra stuff that goes into a martini or a Manhattan, the price drops down from $7 to $5. So good bartenders have taken care of good regular customers by correcting them if they order, for example, a double Maker's Mark by saying, okay, I'll get you a Maker's Mark Manhattan minus the bitters and vermouth. Do you want the cherries? Likewise, a double apple vodka becomes a apple vodka martini extra dry. The regulars save a few bucks 
and the house saves some ingredients. It always seemed like everyone wins, and no one has ever been smart enough in management to fix the cash registers. If you spent enough time in the VIP lounge, you figured all of this out and learned to order your own drinks with the discount. And with the VIP lounge closed during the pandemic and now closed permanently by management to take away a benefit from their top players, those top-tier players have continued to use this quirk in the cash registers to continue to get the same discount on the main casino floor that our excellent bartenders in the VIP lounge used to extend to us. Gabriel has been ordering his drinks this way all during the pandemic. One day last week, a bartender charged him $7 instead of 5 for his Manhattan with just a little cherry juice, no, vermit- no bitters or vermouth. And when he questioned the whole thing, the reply was, well, you're basically getting a double and you should pay for it. Gabriel was annoyed, but he didn't, he didn't say anything to anyone. He didn't make a big deal out of it. And a bit later, his normal waitress took his Manhattan order and charged him $5. And still later, a different waitress took the same order, but charged him $7. At this point, he, is, he had reached his limit on stupidity, and uh, that may have been a bit alcohol-fueled, but he goes to the bar and asks for an explanation. He wanted to know why he was ordering the same drink the same way and getting different prices from different employees. Admittedly, he raised his voice a bit and caused a bit of a scene, but he didn't throw any glasses at anyone or anything. He calmed down eventually when asked, and he explained to both a game floor supervisor and a security officer that this ordering system had been in place since day one, that it had never been a problem before, and that he didn't understand why everyone couldn't just push the damn Manhattan button when he ordered a Manhattan and charge him accordingly. He's a regular customer. This should not be a big deal. It shouldn't be taking him off his game of choice to have a conversation. And he is 100% right about that. He is 100% right in that opinion. And in my opinion, this is just a bunch of amateurs annoying a good customer at this point. The security guard promised to get to the bottom of things and call him with an update. And Gabriel replied, I'm here fairly often. I don't need you bothering me when I'm not here with an update on drink pricing. Just find me when I'm here and let me know what's going on. By the next day and the day after, word had spread around the casino to guests and to dealers who all wanted to know what was going on. Supposedly, a beverage supervisor is going to get with him to discuss things, which has not happened yet, and he's hoping for, but not expecting, an apology. A regular bartender did stand up for him, saying, it's less ingredients, it takes less time to make, and he's a good customer and a good tipper. Why does this matter? And his drink prices have been back at the same price they have always been since that time. So, conversation with a supervisor or not, hopefully this will be the end of Drinkgate. But... It was a crazy week for Gabriel in ways that have nothing to do with actual gambling. Um, I also received an update from the captain of Cali, our squad leader on the West Coast. Uh, he, He sent me an email last week. He was in Las Vegas visiting some family, but he did get a chance to do some some gambling in the evenings. He reports that he used our casino combat techniques with success, betting the don't pass line as his wager while playing craps. He does admit that he may have caught just caught cold tables at the right time. But that's, from my point of view, that's always true. Part of what I'm always trying to do is be prepared when tables go my way and opportunity happens and to run away from tables where things are not going my way before I lose anything significant. Now that I've moved my crafts education out of stimulators and into real life, I'm interested in trying this myself. I have not ventured into betting the don't pass line yet, and this sounds promising. I always appreciate listeners checking in and sharing their results using Casino Combat. 
Now, the captain of Cali was in Las Vegas just as a new casino resorts world opened on the Strip. First new resort on the, on the Strip in, in over a decade, I think. I think this casino is one that we should all keep an eye on. I have not seen it in person yet, obviously, but from what I'm reading, this property may change fundamental aspects of casino gambling. Resorts World is the first Las Vegas property for a brand called Gent or Ghent. I'm really not sure how to pronounce it. I've only read the brand name. It's spelled G-E-N-T. I'm going to call it Gent, but we may find out it's Ghent at some point if, if we hear interviews or what have you. Um, they Anyway, this brand has high-end resorts and casinos all over the world with the hotels being operated by the Hilton brand which means that Hilton Rewards points can be used to book comp rooms on the Las Vegas Strip right now. There are other Strip hotels with national hotel brand affiliations on the Strip, Waldorf Astoria without a casino and Best Western with a small casino come to mind, but the Hilton brand offers additional options for using reward systems and activities outside of gambling to get gambling-related comps. I am not an expert on the Hilton system, but I have already seen articles describing credit cards and travel tie-ins that will let you gain Hilton status easily. If you already have Hilton status or a credit card that lets you tier match to a top Hilton tier, you may already be eligible for comps and upgrades at Resorts World. There are a couple of other ways that this new hotel and casino may impact gambling on a national and international basis. It is the first casino on the Las Vegas Strip to implement digital, which is supposed to be cashless gambling. I'll need to see it all in, a, in action to really form an opinion, but my understanding is that your player's card can be linked to a bank account or bank accounts, and you simply use your card to buy chips at a table or spins on a slot machine. You can also add cash to the card at the cage or at kiosks on the casino floor. Again, I have not experienced this way of gambling yet, but from what I've read, you can't use cash to buy chips or put cash into slot machines. This may well be a generational thing, but the gamblers I've spoken to are not loving this way of managing money in a casino. I'm hearing two concerns which I share. First, it is really easy to gamble money you cannot afford to lose if you gamble directly from your bank account to a slot machine. I've talked many times about the process of getting mentally away from gambling for a few minutes and then making decisions about more gambling from there. The process of walking to an ATM, or better, to your car or hotel room for an ATM card to withdraw more cash is often time where decisions are made not to gamble more today. Making an ATM withdrawal is a different action than making another bet. At least it is for me and for other people I've talked to. The other concern I'm hearing is the obvious one, which is this lets both the casino and the federal government have much more accurate information about what money is being won or lost. I've talked in the past about ways to disguise transactions in a casino to change how the house records your wins or losses. Disguising transactions isn't really practical if you gamble tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, but with low-stakes gambling with even hundreds or thousands of dollars, it's doable. All digital gambling takes that away. The money goes on the card, the money comes off the card, winnings are placed back into your bank account, everything is fully transparent. Good for the house and the government, but I'm not sure it will be, it will be good for gamblers. The other way in which Resorts World may transform gambling is with their reward system. I really want to know more, but from what I'm reading, a lot of game theory has been applied to the Gent, Gent, 
I still don't know, reward system. It appears to go beyond just points to digital badges and trophies for various activities, both gambling and not gambling around the resort. The badges and trophies can be exchanged for real-world benefits, experiences, upgrades, that kind of thing. So let me make up an example completely based on what I've read, not based in any way on fact. You might get a badge for winning more than $100 playing a slot machine, and then another badge for enjoying breakfast by the pool, and then a badge or a trophy for a late-night cigar in the cigar bar. When you earn that third badge, that third trophy, you would be notified by an app, I assume, that you can trade those badges for a buy one, get one free spa treatment. Caesars has done smaller versions of this in the past as short, time-based promotions. Things like earn 10 tier credits in all three Atlantic City casinos in a 24-hour period and receive a 500 tier credit bonus. Or earn a badge for so many tier points at each hotel on the Las Vegas Strip for dining in these restaurants and all those badges get you tier credit bonuses at the end or entries in drawings, that kind of things. If guests enjoy the game aspect of the Gent Reward System enough to pull guests from other high-end properties, we could see other brands implement similar elements into their reward systems permanently, which would be a real evolution of how reward systems have worked and something that here at Casino Combat we would take a lot of interest in finding ways to exploit. I'm going to check out Resorts World the next time I'm in Las Vegas, but if any of you get there before me, I'd love to hear your impressions. The final item going on in the wider Casino Combat universe this week is that East Coast Emissary and I were both in Atlantic City on Sunday at the same time. Mrs. TRG and I got to meet him and his lovely wife, Mrs. ECE. I was flattered to hear that Mrs. ECE, who is a slot player, has done some experimenting with TRG wagering system El Numero Dos and has had some success with it. East Coast Emissary played some blackjack with us. It was great to have an instant connection and a shared set of terminology based on the podcast. A former Marine was gambling with us, and he asked if we had known each other a long time based on how we interacted. We explained no. We had just met for the first time in person as the result of the podcast. He was a terrific young man, and he took a business card with him. I hope he listens. His wagering choices included heavy betting on high house advantage side bets, ranging his bets too much for his bankroll, and making hunch plays against basic strategy. He left us to get more cash, saying he'd be right back. He spent a fair amount of time pushing buttons on two different ATMs that we could see from our table, and eventually he left the casino without returning to play with us some more. I think the podcast could help him improve his game a great deal. It was great to meet another excellent listener in person. Always enjoy it. Always find them to be great and and, and interesting people. Uh, you know, big thanks to, to ECE. It was good to see him. It was good to thank him in person for the bottle of champagne that he sent us money for. Just a wonderful experience all the way around. I'm hoping to repeat that over and over with a variety of listeners as we all get a chance to travel more. Before we move on to the question segment, if you're new to the podcast and wondering what the slot strategy Mrs. ECE was testing out is all about, it's a strategy I accidentally developed for winning money consistently from slot machines. I get it, that shouldn't be a thing. I understand. But I figured it out a few years ago. It works well way more months than it doesn't. We win a fair amount of money using it. Other gamblers have tested it and reported success as well. 
So I decided to share it as an ebook. You are welcome to a copy. It's free. I'm not charging for it. The podcast has an email bot named Fred. If you send an email to trg at casinocombat.com and put the two words slot tactics in the subject line, Fred will see the email and send you a link to download a copy of the ebook. It's called Casino Combat Slot Tactics. It explains the entire process in detail, charts and graphs, everything you need to know to use it. All right, there we go. We have a game plan. We've been updated on things going on in the Casino Combat universe. Let's do questions my sons ask next. What? What? My sons ask questions about gambling and listeners ask questions about gambling. East Coast Emissary asked me a question via email and then followed it up in person when I saw him last week. His question was a follow-up to my story about my biggest win ever. The full story is in episode 35. If you're interested, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. But what EC was wondering is how I ramped up my wagers as I continued to win more and more money during my big win, and how much did I tip at the end of the win? Which is a great, a great question and an excellent observation. Let me take the easy part of this first. Tipping during a big win. I tend to tip as I go, mostly by making bets for the dealers. If I get a blackjack with a big wager out, on my next wager, I'll place an extra 10 to 20% of my wager above my bet for the dealers. So in this case, when I reached the point where I was betting $500 on a hand, the tip, the tip bet was 50 or 100 bucks for the dealers. At the end, I usually tip a little more based on whatever chips are left over as I color up, meaning if I'm cashing out green chips, I'm tipping some leftover white and, and, and red $1 and $5 chips. And I guess the white chips could also be blue chips in some casinos. One chips are weird. $1 chips are weird. They come in a lot of colors. If I'm cashing out thousands, the leftover chips are going to be black and green, $25 and $100 chips. And as I've mentioned in the past, sometimes I turn those extra big chips into smaller chips and, and instead of handing that extra money to the dealer that I was playing with, I walk around the floor tipping and thanking a variety of dealers that are friends of mine that I've known for years that have dealt to me in the past. All the money goes the same place. All the dealer tips go in boxes, the boxes get cashed and uh, colored up, turned into cash, and that cash gets handed out to all the dealers in the same amount regardless of who they dealt to. As I said, all the money goes to the same place. No one's getting any more money or any less money if I tip that way, but it does let other dealers know that I appreciate them even if they were not my dealer that exact day. As for betting during big wins, regardless of what big means to you, big wins don't happen very often. For you, maybe a big win is hundreds of dollars. For you, maybe big wins are hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know. I just know that big wins are an opportunity you need to be prepared to take advantage of. Here is a general outline of how I approach these opportunities, kind of step by step. The first event I look for when I'm winning is to double my initial buy-in. At this point, barring a big split or double at exactly the wrong time on a blackjack table, I'm going to leave the table with a profit. So if I'm using a $10 unit, I buy in for $100, and when I've won $100, I know I'm going to leave the table with a profit. If the next bet immediately, if the next bet sequence is one units, two units, four and a half units, and I lose all three bets, I'm going to have a profit of two and a half units, or in this case, in this example, $25, and I'm going to leave the table. So that's the first marker. That's the first thing I'm looking for is to double my initial buy-in because at that point, I'm sure I will have a profit when I leave the table. And if at that point I continue to win, 
then I'm looking for the next event. And the next event that I'm looking for is to win another 10 units. So if I started with $100 and I reached the point where I have my win stack at $200 and my play stack is $100, I am 100% playing with house money and I have a nice profit locked away. At this point, going forward from there, from that milestone, I'm going to start splitting each win between the two stacks of chips, between the play stack and the win stack. If I bet $10 and I win the bet, $5 goes on the win stack, and $5 of the profit goes on the play stack, along with the original $10 wager. If and when the play stack grows to $120, I increase my unit size from $10 to $12. At $150, it increases to $15, and etc., etc., etc. I don't make myself too crazy with this. It's a general guideline, not a mathematical principle. I don't count up the play stack and divide by 10 each time I make a one-unit bet. You can do that. I know people who play that way all the time. It's just more work than I want to put in. I do want to enjoy those wins, not just constantly do math. So I'm not going to bother making a $17.50 bet because my play stack reached $175. I'm just going to do a $20 unit size when I reach a play stack of $200. In fact, if you're playing blackjack, you may even want to lag your unit increases a little bit behind where your play stack is as a bit of bankroll protection. Say increasing to $12 when you reach a play stack of $150 and going to $15 when the play stack reaches $200, that kind of thing. Here's an example of why that protection is needed or could be needed if you're playing blackjack. Your play stack reaches $200. You increase your unit size to $20. You lose $20 on your first bet. You bet 40 and lose. You bet 90, four and a half units. You are fine. You have your original $100 buy-in. You have an additional $100 profit to walk away with, plus the rest of the play stack, which is $50. Oops, pair of eights, time to split, which means $40 of that split has to come out of the previously, quote, guaranteed win of $200 to cover the split. If you need to split again, and then you need to double something after that, it starts to get a bit uncomfortable. You're actually digging into your original buy-in to get into that double. So particularly when using TRG Wagering System 1 and playing blackjack, holding your wager size increases back just a little bit from that 10% mark can add some extra profit protection. Obviously, other coin toss games like the bank bet in Baccarat or the even odd bet in Roulette you don't need this same kind of protection. You don't have those opportunities to do doubles and splits. You can be more aggressive in pressing your bet to match your play stack when you're wagering on those games. When my big win was happening, I had one of those moments. I faced one of those moments. I survived it, but it was my own fault. Here's how it went. What had been a unit size of $100 when I started had grown to a unit size of $200 with a play stack of about $3,000. I got a little cocky after losing two bets in a row and rounded up to an even $1,000 for the third bet instead of making a $900 wager. Worst case, I was going to walk away with a profit of $4,400. That's what was in my head. No big deal, right? I'm feeling myself a little bit. I'm gambling. I'm winning. I'm pressing my bets up. I'm playing at a pretty big level. I've got a nice profit locked in. And, of course, I needed to split the hand. My sure profit is now $3,400 instead of $4,400. 
and then split again. So now that's a $2,400 guaranteed profit. Then a double needed to happen. When I finished playing the hand completely, I had bet $6,000 on a total of four hands. Keep in mind, my play stack was $3,000 when I got all full of myself and decided to bet $1,000. As I said, I'd bet $6,000 on a total of four hands. All my profit for the day was in that hand. If I lost all of those hands, always a possibility, I was going to either start over or walk away with nothing but a story. It worked out. <laughs> Obviously, the story worked out. It worked out. The only hand I lost was an undoubled $1,000 wager. But whether it is increasing your wager size or rounding up, you want to manage a win, a big win, that you're trying to extend at a blackjack table so that a random sets of, set of doubles and splits don't ruin your profits for the session. I almost relearned that lesson the hard way that day. So there you go, ECE. How I handle pressing my bets when the winning is easy. This is another aspect of Casino Wisdom number 58. Luck is the intersection of opportunity and preparation. Nothing more. Hopefully, everyone is now a little more prepared to navigate those opportunities to win big. Next, let's pause for a moment of Casino Wisdom. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I had an informative experience in Atlantic City last week, and I was fortunate that we recently added Casino Wisdom number 70 to the official list. Casino Wisdom number 70 reminds us, never loan money to or borrow money from strangers in a casino. Casino Wisdoms are short phrases that take knowledge of or experiences with a casino and combine them with an action to be taken in certain situations. In this case, don't loan money, don't borrow money when it comes to strangers in a casino. And since we talked about Fred earlier, let me mention that Fred is a very smart email bot, very well programmed, <laughs> thanks to some repetition by T-Rex and myself. If, if you want a list of all the casino wisdoms, the official list that Keeper of Wisdom uh, helped us sort out and helped us put together, send an email to trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, of course, put two words, get wisdom, in the subject line and Fred will see that and she will make sure that you get an opportunity to download um, to download the, that list of, of all the wisdoms and the, the episode that they first appeared in. So if you want to hear my first take on any of these, you, you can find them that way. So as I said, we were, we were at Caesars Palace in Atlantic City. And actually, I think it's just called Caesars in Atlantic City. I think the one in Las Vegas is the only Caesars Palace, and which makes you wonder if Caesars ever lived there, obviously. Look, I had a promotion available at Caesars, and I needed to earn five tier credits to activate the promotion. And Mrs. TRG needed to replace her rewards card, so we decided to divide and conquer. I was playing a slot machine to earn my five tier credits while she waited in line for a new card. And as I'm playing and spinning, a man walks over to me and says, Hey, it's good to see you again. Oh, wow, it's been a long time. I didn't immediately recognize him, but that isn't actually 
unusual. I've met a lot of people in casinos over 30 plus years. I've spent hours drinking and gambling with people who were strangers who became friends. I've run into players in Las Vegas who were dealers or bartenders in Atlantic City. So someone recognizing me at random in a casino isn't exactly an uncommon occurrence. And the next thing he said was, you don't recognize me, do you? I confessed that I did not, and he said, it's been a while, it has. We used to work together years ago, so now I'm digging way back in my memory. This isn't someone from my casino life, this is someone from my professional life. I've been self-employed for over 20 years, so it, it had to be before that if we worked together. And so just at random, I named my first employer out of college, and he said, yes, yes, absolutely, that's where we worked together. And he shook my hand saying he was Greg. It was good to see me again. And then he said, I'll be honest, it was the boots that I remembered first. You know, keep wearing those boots, man. That's that's what I noticed right off the bat. And this should have been a red flag. It wasn't, but it should have been. I did not own ivory-colored, full-quill, ostrich-skin boots right out of college. And if I had, I wouldn't have worn them to work in a professional environment at that time. But he kept the conversation going, saying that he'd moved to the area about seven years ago, that he loved being near the ocean. And we chatted a bit more, and he said it was good to see me again, and he started to walk away. As I turned back to my slot machine, he came back and he said, I'm sorry, I I gotta ask. I got custody of my four kids, they're okay. I got them in school, I got a place for us to live. Their mother's a prostitute and a drug addict living on the street. I was hoping some free slot play would pay out today. I need to buy groceries before I get paid tomorrow. Could you loan me some money? I'll pay you back double tomorrow. I promise. Now, keep in mind, this all happened really quickly and randomly. Looking back over the conversation, he kept me off balance the entire time. He only asked leading questions and then confirmed answers I provided. It was a very well-constructed grift. In the moment, my first thought was, I'm not going to randomly run into you tomorrow, and I don't want to plan my last day in Atlantic City around tracking you down. And then I mentally stopped. I realized that we had just talked about this as part of the podcast. I realized all in a split second, all the parts of the conversation that didn't add up. Him being older than me and too old to have four young kids. His comment about my boots. The fact that I offered the name of my first employer and he just confirmed it. It all clicked. And it all clicked because I had that casino wisdom in my mind immediately when he asked to borrow money. I told him no, I wouldn't be loaning money to anyone in a casino, and he left quickly. That's exactly what a casino wisdom is supposed to do. Remind us of the best course of action in casino situations. It's exactly what these casino wisdoms are designed for. The action on this one is don't loan money to strangers, and I didn't. Hopefully, all of you will benefit from these casino wisdoms as well. That's why I take the time to do them. That's why the list is there. Um, It worked for me this time. It really helped. I could have easily just said in the vacation, in the moment, having had some vodka with with orange juice for for brunch, I could have easily just said, oh, sure, man, here's $100. Find me here tomorrow. I'll be back here at some point. And and he'd have walked away and I'd have been $100 poorer. And 20 minutes later felt very, very foolish and undoubtedly have uh, been reminded by my wife that that was a dumb decision to make. Travel segments next. I did plenty of rambling and gambling last week, so let's discuss what happened. I have got a lot to tell you about here in our travel segment. It was a very, very busy week, a very fun week, a lot of casino gambling, a lot of observations and some results for you. 
I made a couple of visits to my local casino last week, picking up free bets, gift cards, and free slot play. I also continued my gambling for education and points by playing a fair amount of craps. I'll update you on that next week when we when we wrap up the month. I also played three losing slot machines during during those visits. On Thursday, Mrs. TRG and I left after lunch and went to our, our home casino, Casino 2, which is two and a half hours east of our home, a wonderful My Choice branded property that I've discussed several times. I've done my best to keep my brands and descriptions and my distances as accurate as possible over the course of the podcast. If you can use that information to figure out the real world name of my home casino, you can join the inner circle of Casino Combat. It is a solvable puzzle. Puzzle. The inner circle has four members at this point with room for six more members. I've described the whole game in detail in episode 22. If you haven't listened and you're just finding out about it and you want to play, go back and listen to episode 22. It's all explained. And as I said, this is a solvable puzzle. Didn't know when I had put the puzzle into the podcast to start out with if it would be or not or if anyone would be interested, but it is because people like Golden Fan and keeper of wisdom have all been able to uh to use the clues in the podcast to figure this out so this trip to 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 our home casino was the start of our drive to atlantic city we were looking to shorten the drive the next day by a few hours and we also wanted to make good choices regarding gambling alcohol consumption and sleep because this was not a trip in and of itself this was just the start of a much larger trip they comped us a room and we used points to pay for dinner Kind of doing that casino combat grind, kind of doing that casino combat lifestyle. Thanks for the free room we earned over the last few months. Thanks for the points to pay for dinner. I had a nice free bet. Mrs. TRG had some free slot play. I won some money playing a slot machine. And Mrs. TRG and I had a long session at a blackjack table that included a rebuy to treat a new shoe as a new table. We were both happy to leave the table with a small win after coming back from losing enough that we needed to buy back in. And we had a lot of fun at this table and played for a fairly long time. And that was fine and great because Loudmouth Larry was very entertaining. And I, I got to tell you a little bit about Loudmouth Larry. By observation, Loudmouth Larry is a high enough tier. He's, a, he's at enough of a level, one level above me or more. He gets into the VIP lounge. And we learned this when he came up to the table and told everyone who would listen that he'd already been in the casino for a couple hours. He'd enjoyed two free margaritas because he always wins and he doesn't pay for anything. So I assume that A, he is a high enough tier that he gets into the VIP lounge, which is where he got his free margaritas, and B, he's a complete lightweight when it comes to drinking. If he needs two hours to finish two margaritas and now he wants to brag about it loudly and drunkenly. He clearly knew everyone and lots of people seemed to know him. He was very comfortable bossing everyone around and reminding everyone that he was an expert at blackjack and he never loses. Of course, he did this while making basic strategy mistakes that had myself, Mrs. TRG, and the floor boss rolling our eyes and snickering. At one point, I doubled down and the dealer asked if I wanted my card face up or face down and I said face down please. And this set off Loudmouth Larry and I got a lecture about how he didn't like playing with people who hid information from him. And he went on and on about how he needs that information and he's a card counter and he's a blackjack expert and I'm not a good player if I don't want everyone to know what's going on at the table. And I just looked at him and said, okay. And I watched him play his hand wrong and lose. And he blamed me because he blamed me briefly because he would have won if I had taken my card face up because he is a card counter. 
I guess somehow, if he saw my queen, he would have surrendered his hand instead of standing on a two-card 16 against a dealer's 10. I mean, he would have made the right decision if he knew I had a 10. None of that makes any sense. Because his count would have changed just by percentage points. I, I, I don't know. It makes no logical sense. It was very amusing. I, I was amused. I was interested. Regardless, Mrs. TRG was struggling not to laugh at Loudmouth Larry, and I was curious. I was. So, as the card came out, the cut card came out to start a new shoe, I decided I was going to count along to see if I could make any sense of what Loudmouth Larry was doing. And I do want to concede that it is possible that he was using a card counting system different than the basic high-low count that I was using, but his bets occurred randomly when the count was negative which means more small cards were left than large cards. This is not a card counter move to increase your bet on a negative count. He didn't use basic strategy to double a couple of hands when the count was slightly positive. Later in the shoe, again, not a card counter move. He started the following shoe with a three-unit bet right out of the jump, and he only had a seven-unit bankroll on the table, which doesn't match any card counting process I know of. You normally start at one unit, and you are waiting for the count to go up before you raise your bet. During this shoe, he lost everything on the table, then pulled out a $100 bill and made a $100 wager when I had a negative count. Again, not a card counter move. And then he didn't have enough money to double a 10 against a dealer's 5. Now, he did win that bet. So now he's got $200, and he immediately follows it up with a $200 wager which he lost by standing on a hard 12 against a dealer's 17. And that makes no sense. It just it's, it's all just random, bad player, garbage play. He left the table complaining loudly to anyone and everyone about people causing him to lose for the first time in years because they don't know how to play. So a few minutes later, with him well out of earshot, I had a chance to talk to the pit boss, and I just asked him, how many times a week do you see that show? And he responded three or four times a week. It's more obnoxious the couple of times a month when he actually wins. He drinks and brags a lot more when that happens. <laughs> Look, I'm looking forward to seeing the show again. I am going to keep my eye out for Loudmouth Larry going forward anytime we are at our home casino. It was very, very entertaining. Very, very fun. And my cards are going to go down to make him annoyed. Guaranteed from, from this point forward. <laughs> anyway, the next morning, we made our way the remaining five-and-a-half-hour drive east to Atlantic City. Normally, we go to Atlantic City when Caesars is flying us out, but the drive wasn't too bad. We, we might do it again, especially with the stopover at our home casino on the way. We stayed at the Tropicana. They were kind enough to comp us most of our three-night stay with only a modest charge on Saturday, on Saturday night. And, of course, we had no resort fees to pay since Caesars waives those for Diamond guests. I'm not going to take you through three days of drinking, gambling, and Mrs. TRG's beach time table by table, machine by machine. But I will make some observations and share some experiences before giving you a summary of our results. Our plan going in was to make this a three-brand trip. Caesars is normally our only brand in Atlantic City, but with Bally's now part of its own brand and my interest in diversifying our play going into the new year, we wanted to make Bally's and Borgata part of our rotation this visit. As a result, we visited Caesars on Saturday for a promotion that got us a nice gift card uh, usable at one of our local retailers. 
And they also gave us some free reward credits. And those are kind of the credits you use to spend in the Caesar system. So we got the equivalent of $25 in reward credits. And we got a, a nice gift card that Mrs. TRG will, I'm sure, put to good use. We then went to Bally's and got our new cards for their reward system. They matched us to our Caesars levels with them and gave us some very generous comps, including additional re reward credits to spend on food and money to bet on the tables. And I found out I have a $100 celebration dinner to match the one that I received from Caesars this year. So basically $100 of free money to spend on a very nice restaurant, which we are already planning for our next Atlantic City visit. We also found out that near our favorite Caesars property, five and a half hours south and west of us, there is a Tropicana that now uses the same Bally's reward systems. So we may be able to use this brand relationship on future trips there as well. And boy, if you're wondering what's going on here, so are we. Over the years, the Tropicana brand has obviously fractured in a variety of interesting ways. The Tropicana in Las Vegas, where we stayed recently, is part of the My Choice brand and My Choice Comptus there. The Tropicana in Atlantic City is now part of the Caesars brand as a result of the El Dorado merger. And there's a Tropicana smack in the middle of the Midwest, very near one of our favorite Caesars properties, that's now part of the Bally's brand. And I got good reason to think they're going to compass if we make our way there the next time we're in that part of the country. Very, very interesting what Tropicana has become. We played some blackjack at Bally's to prime the pump for future gifts and comps and went to Borgata to do the same thing. Borgata lived up to its reputation as one of the best properties in Atlantic City. It's very beautiful, reminding us a bit of the Bellagio in Las Vegas in terms of decor and decoration. They had plenty of $15 blackjack tables, which made Mrs. TRG very happy. I won some money on a slot machine. Our only disappointment, the VIP lounge was not open while we were there, which was something I wanted to experience having heard many, many, many good things. But hopefully we did enough gambling to have some comps or promotional offers next time we're in town. All good, all great visits. Saturday night, we had a light dinner in the VIP lounge at Tropicana and did some additional gambling there. No real other comps or benefits other than the, the, the room comp and access to the VIP lounge at Tropicana. That's going to change because of the amount of gambling we did there. That will change next time. We will have things come online there, I have no doubt. An in interesting observation of something new at the Tropicana that I've never seen anywhere else, never encountered before. Drinks are no longer just freely comp to slot players. There's now a countdown timer that starts as soon as you put your machine card in the machine, and it, it counts down as you spin. It looked to me like roughly $5 through the machine and suddenly the icon changed on the screen and you were awarded a free drink and you were prompted to order on screen right on the machine you could place your drink order. And then the machine kind of takes you through things. Your drink is being made by Joe. Susan has picked up your drink. Susan is bringing you your drink. Your drink is going to be delivered shortly. Please wait while your drink is delivered. I don't do a lot of drink ordering at slot machines. I'm usually not there long enough. But this new process seems to encourage you to order a drink. I mean, you earned it. What you, what you, literally, they tell you, okay, you earned a drink. Your natural reaction is, well, bring me the drink I earned, right? It encourages you to stay and, in theory, play until your drink is delivered. I tried the entire process out just to see how it worked while still playing TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos. I was eligible to order another drink with very modest levels of play just as the first drink arrived. 
which put me on course to be way overserved if I ordered a drink every time I earned one. It'd literally be spend $5, earn a drink, order the drink, spend $5 while waiting for the drink, you've earned another drink, order another drink. It did not seem like a system designed to keep players from costing the casino money by drinking and not playing. It seemed designed to keep players drinking and playing. Maybe I'm not the typical slot player. Or they're just tweaking a new system and they're going to adjust it over time. But at least to me, it seemed to incentivize behavior that would lead to poor gambling decisions. Sunday, we visited Caesars and Bally's again for more free stuff and had drinks and a light dinner in the Bally's VIP lounge before meeting up with Mrs. and Mr. ECE. It was so nice to get back into the Bally's VIP lounge one more time. This has always been one of our favorite VIP lounges anywhere and everywhere. It has huge 12-foot tall windows that look out on the ocean. The bar has a curved area where you can just sit and enjoy the view while having a few drinks. Mrs. TRG's favorite bartender, Sandy, was working. She's mostly recovered from a car accident that occurred um, prior to our last visit. We actually heard about it from, from another bartender, John. She had a pre pretty serious injury, and she's mostly recovered from that now and happy to be back at work. She makes a cold coffee drink that Mrs. TRG really enjoys. Sadly, the one person that we didn't see was John at the bar, who's a friend of mine and gets me my drinks for free. And this isn't really surprising since pre-pandemic, he and San Sandy didn't usually work the same shift. It, look, I know it's a small thing, and I know much more that, that other things aren't going to come back. John may work somewhere else. Now, John may be working construction, not bartending or driving Uber. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But look, for a kid who grew up poor, on a farm, in the Midwest, living a free lifestyle, where bartenders in a variety of VIP lounges know you by name and know your favorite drink is something I, I really appreciate. I, I, I'm really grateful that that has happened. Seeing Sandy again is in one of my favorite lounges was a wonderful thing. Honestly, just sitting and having a meal with my wife in a VIP lounge again was a wonderful thing. And I'll observe that we are getting into these lounges because I made that trip to Las Vegas in December to earn points to reach tier three in the Caesar system. People say, don't gamble for points. Don't gamble for tier status. And I say, BS. I gambled for points in December. I did it with a plan. I did it in a, a controlled fashion. And it has returned so much valuable free stuff to us. It has saved us so much money since then that I'm firmly behind the idea of gambling for tier status in a way that makes sense. If it's normal gambling, if it's gambling the way you normally do it, if it's just not throwing money at a problem, I think it makes complete sense. And that's why I go back and highlight this for you to see that there are times and places when tier status is a tool that's part of the comp hustle, that's part of casino combat, and you need to be aware of that. You need to be mindful of that, and you need to use that tool when it makes sense. One last fun or funny thing that I'll share with you before giving you a summary of the results. I spent some time at the craps table at the Tropicana on Sunday morning while Mrs. TRG was enjoying the beach in the ocean. I received a bit of an education about the etiquette of craps as it is played in Atlantic City, at least as it is played at the Tropicana in Atlantic City. You can say just about anything you want as loud as you want without the pit bosses saying anything to you. But if you start something with the word mother, the next word out of your mouth better be may I or trucker 
<laughs> I learned this when a young woman kept yelling mother trucker when the dice landed wrong. A floor ba- boss came over to her and said he didn't want to throw her out for language. Could she kind of, you know, watch that type of salty language? Look, she was clearly a regular because she proceeded to explain to him that both Bill and Susan had told her on previous occasions that she could say trucker, just not the other word, and that she would go get them if he needed proof. <laughs> Obviously a very regular guest. She seemed very sure of herself. She was polite. She was fun. He was enjoying the exchange. He accepted her terms. And what's the result of that? What happens as a result of that dialogue between him and her? It's, it's the natural thing, right? As a result, anytime the dice didn't go our way for the group, most of the table would yell, Mother Trucker, as loud as possible. Um, as I said, fun and educational, a fun and educational morning at the craps table uh, at the Tropicana. As far as results go for the week, we played 10 losing slot machines and 14 winning slot machines in total for the week. I did particularly well in Atlantic City going 6-1 and one on slot machines. And I won uh, just more than one day's pay on the slot part of things. As a team, we finished the week with a profit. As a team, we finished the week with a profit of just over a day's pay from gambling our own money on slot machines. Our table results were the opposite, with 17 losing tables and 8 winning tables. Although many of those losses, particularly Mrs. TRGs, were tiny. She'd hit her end point and she'd be down a unit and a half. They, they were not big losses, even though there were quite a few losing tables. We both had a couple of really solid wins to offset some of that. In the end, we lost and spent about four days pay for the week, with more of it spending than losing. It would have been nice to pay for the whole trip with wins and comps. We didn't quite get there. But we received way more in value than we lost and spent. It was a winning week by the standards of Casino Combat. It was a very fun week for us as a couple. We just needed a couple more winning tables or a couple less losing slot machines. It would have all worked out fine. And we'll see how the month turns out next week. I still got some gambling to do before the end of the month. So let's finish up in the virtual VIP lounge with a quick story to wrap up, up this episode of our Casino Combat podcast. A little bit of the bubbly. Welcome to the Virtual VIP Lounge, where our motto is, we always have the best imaginary everything, almost all the time. I'm going to enjoy a handcrafted, locally bottled artisanal root beer today. I've got some driving to do, so we'll just stick right there. Our story in the VIP Lounge is a quick one today, but it ties in a bit with my encounter with the grifter in Atlantic City last week, so I thought this might be a good episode to share it. Years ago, casino gambling had just become legal in my state, and on the weekend of my birthday... We were going to be in the state capitol a couple of hours south of our home for a high school wrestling tournament that my son was competing in. Since it was a high school tournament, my son was going to be with his team, and we were just parents spending the night in a hotel waiting for the tournament to start early the next morning. My wife suggested that we go visit the new casino in the area as a birthday celebration and have some dinner and and obviously do some gambling. And as I had just won a bunch of money locally during the week, I was, of course, ready to go with lots of extra money to gamble with. Money that I'd actually brought with me on purpose, knowing that on Saturday night, many of the other parents were probably going to want to go to the casino, which did happen and is a completely different story. Mrs. TRG was teasing me a bit over dinner, saying that I probably knew everyone who worked there already. I was going to know everyone, and I was defending myself, saying I'd only been there once. I'd been there once a few months earlier for like an hour 
after being in the area for work just to see what the place looked like. I convinced her to play with me in High Limit since I had won plenty of money earlier in the week, and she agreed since it was my birthday, and that's probably the only time in her life that she ever gambled in High Limit and she ever gambled at that level. She is not normally playing black chips ever. As I said, probably other than this one time, never in her life has she bet a black chip. We enter the high limit room, and of course, what happened? The dealer says, hey, TRG, it's good to see you again. It's been a while, which gets me a glare from my wife. And I ask him when he moved over from Casino One. Casino One, you know, the place we visit now regularly, where I was a regular for years just prior to this. He had been a dealer there, so he'd changed casinos. He explained that his wife had a chance for a promotion to Pit Boss, so they had relocated and switched casinos. And this almost convinced my wife. This almost placated my wife until the waitress shows up and says, I assume this was what you wanted to drink, but I don't remember what your wife drinks. I'm sorry, what can I bring her? I'll be right back. So now, despite what I had said over dinner, I'm like Norm on Cheers. Everyone seems to know me. But I'd figured it out. This was a pretty new casino and only a couple of hours from Casino One. So a bunch of staff from there had taken new jobs at the new casino. But my wife isn't amused. She had assumed I would know everyone in the casino. And here we are in the casino. And I know everyone and they know me. It happened several more times that night. In fact, it happened with some other players as well. But we won enough money and enough people told her stories about meeting me at Casino One that eventually it became amusing, not annoying for her. Not a big deal, not a major story to be sure, not much of a teach there, but casinos and casino people are really a small world. Spend enough time in them and you meet people in place A and then they show up in place B. It is not unusual usual for us to be walking through a casino in Las Vegas or Atlantic City and meet people we know from the Midwest and have not seen in a couple years. All part of that casino lifestyle that I enjoy, that we enjoy, and that I hope if you're new to casino gambling that you can learn from us and that you can enjoy as well because it's a lot of fun. It is like being part of a big club and knowing people everywhere you go and having friends everywhere you go. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are 10 in this episode. Actually, there's 11 if you consider that norm reference that I just ad-libbed. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Don't tip away your wins. Remember your casino wisdoms, folks. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share the podcast with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.